listeners, welcome to the series premiere of my brand new podcast, History Under the Spotlight. I am your host, Professor J.P. Skipper. Thank you for joining me today. I am your host, Professor J.P. Skipper, and I spent the past 24 years teaching American history at Princeton University. In addition to my career as a professor, I've published several books about the American Revolution, the Civil War, and the history of slavery in the United States. Every year, at least one of my students asks me what the most important job of a historian is. The answer to that question is one word, research. I research day and night for weeks, even months at a time, using sources like books, articles, websites, etc., until I become the source. And that is what I hope to accomplish by the end of this episode. In today's episode, I'll introduce you to a man named Henry Highland Garnett. Henry Highland Garnett was many things. He was a runaway slave an abolitionist, a minister, and a member of the American Anti-Slavery Society. Garnett was born into slavery in 1815 in Newmarket, Maryland, now known as Chesterville. In 1824, his family, which included a total of 11 members, secured permission to attend a funeral. From there, helped by the Underground Railroad, they all escaped in a covered wagon via Wilmington, Delaware, to New York City. While living in New York, young Garnett attended the African Free School, then the Phoenix High School for Colored Youth. While in school, Garnett began his career in abolitionism. In 1835, Garnett enrolled at the New Noise Academy in Canon, New Hampshire, but anti-abolitionists soon destroyed the school building, forcing the black students out of town. He completed his education at the Oneida Institute in Whitesboro, New York, which had recently begun admitting all races. He studied English, science, and theology. At Oneida, Garnett was well known for his wit, brilliance, and persuasive speaking skills. Garnett met his future wife and fellow abolitionist Julia Williams at the Noise Academy. She had also completed her education at the Oneida Institute. They got married in 1841 and had three children. In 1842, Garnett became the first pastor of the Liberty Street Negro Presbyterian Church in Troy, New York, a position he held for six years. During this time, Garnett and fellow Oneida alums, William G. Allen, published The National Watchman, an abolitionist newspaper, and Garnett began preaching passionately in favor of emancipation. When he later returned to New York City, he joined the American Anti-Slavery Society and frequently spoke at abolitionist conferences. Like many of my students, you might assume that all abolitionists belong in one category. However, even though the abolishment of slavery was their overall goal, Not all abolitionists agreed on the tactics that should be used to achieve this goal. For example, some abolitionists advocated violence, whether against slave owners themselves or in people in favor of pro-slavery laws. Others took a more passive approach, writing books, articles, pamphlets, or delivering speeches to spread the word and educate people about what's happening to enslaved humans in the United States. Henry Highland Garnett used both tactics at different times in his career. Another difference among abolitionists of the slave era was how they defined freedom. In 1843, Garnett went to Buffalo where he delivered one of his most famous speeches to the delegates of the National Negro Convention. This shocking and inspirational speech was called Call to Rebellion, and in it, he encouraged armed rebellions by slaves against their masters. In this speech, he said, Brethren, arise, arise, strike for your lives and liberties. Now is the day and the hour. Let every slave throughout the land do this, and the days of slavery are numbered. You cannot be more oppressed than you have been. You cannot suffer greater cruelties than you have already. 
Rather die free men than live to be slaves. Remember that you are four millions. Understand what exactly Garnett is saying? I'll walk you through key phrases and translate them into a more modern form of English. When he says, Brethren arise, arise, strike for your lives and liberties, he's sending a message to all of the slaves across America that literally fighting for their freedom was the only way to end slavery. When he says things such as, now is the day and the hour, and you cannot be more oppressed than you have been, and rather die free men than live to be slaves, he's trying to convince slaves that rebelling and risking their lives for their freedom is worth it because they have nothing else to lose. Slavery has taken everything. The sentence is important to his speech because although slaves wanted to be free, they're still scared to fight against their enslavers. My takeaway from the speech is that Garnett defined freedom as having the right to live your own life by being stronger than others so they can't restrain you. Now, you might be thinking that this speech was a smashing success, slavery was abolished, and the foundation of America changed completely. Wrong. After Garnett delivered his speech, two of American history's most famous abolitionists, Frederick Douglass and William Lloyd Garrison, along with many other abolitionists, both black and white, spoke out against Garnett's ideas. He thought it was too radical and could damage the cause by arousing too much fear and resistance among whites. A committee tried to tone down Garnett's message without completely changing it, but the delegates of the National Negro Convention still found it to be too radical, and his speech was rejected. This was clearly a letdown for Garnett. He changed his focus from abolishing slavery in America and founded the African Civilization Society, promoting the emigration of blacks to Mexico, Liberia, or the West Indies, where he thought they would have more opportunities. Garnett also advocated establishing black colonies in sparsely inhabited Western territories in the United States. Garnett remained politically active and continued to speak out against slavery in the United States and abroad. He traveled back and forth to England and Scotland and was well known for his abolitionist lectures. In 1852, he was sent to Jamaica as a missionary, where his wife Julia ran a school for girls. They returned to the U.S. three years later, just before the start of the Civil War. When the Civil War started, Garnett's hopes for emigration as a solution for American blacks ended. When the federal government approved creating black units, Garnett helped with recruiting. He moved with his family to Washington, D.C so that he could support the black soldiers. He preached to many of them while serving as pastor of the prominent Liberty Street Presbyterian Church from 1864 until 1866. On February 12, 1865, Garnett was the first black minister to preach to the U.S. House of Representatives, addressing them on the occasion of the passage of the 13th Amendment, the end of slavery. In the years that followed, Garnett served as president of Avery College in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, then returned to New York City to serve as a pastor at the Shiloh Presbyterian Church. He also continued to speak out against oppression by voicing support to the Cuban independence movement. After his wife Julia died, Garnett married Sarah Smith Tompkins, a suffragist and community organizer who was also the first African-American school principal in the New York City public school system. In 1876, Garnett began a physical and mental decline and expressed a great wish to die and be buried on African soil. His last wish was to go to Liberia, where his daughter Mary Garnett Barboza was, and to die there. In 1881, he was appointed as the U.S. Ambassador to Liberia. He arrived on December 28th and died February 13, 1882 of malaria. Garnett was given a state funeral by the Liberian government.
Madeleine Garnett is remembered as an abolitionist who was maybe a little bit too radical. He was very passionate about ending slavery. He wanted them to be free from repression and to live their own lives. He also helped slaves have better lives throughout his career as an abolitionist. He wanted them to have better lives when he delivered his call to rebellion speech and after the Civil War. accomplished my goal of becoming your source for this mostly forgotten but historically significant figure of the abolition movement. Thank you for your tuning in. This is your host, Professor J.P. Skipper, signing off.